Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into On The Beat Live, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. With On The Beat Live, I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That's Greg Barnes. Gregory Hall, of course, always here now. A, a staple in all of these shows. Um, like the right-hand man that he is, um, soon to be the, the front man if he'll host this show while I just sit back and relax. But we're going to have fun with this one. Of course, it's the off-season, and we all know the Inside Carolina mantra that's been taken by other outlets. There is no off-season. So here's something fun. We were talking about right before we came on the air, Greg Barnes was talking about how his computer was so slow getting logged on. And, and so, Greg, um, we started going there, but I kind of wanted to give our listeners um, a chance to know what it's like to cover a season for North Carolina. It's just on a very 10,000-foot level, at least. Uh, maybe we'll do deep dives on one of these shows one day. But why, why is one's computer so slow, Greg? You're muted too. <laughs> See, it's the off season. It's the off season, Tommy. That. I've been waiting to say that for for two years. <laughs> it's uh, you know, <clears throat> we're we're past we're past the spring game, which means all bets are off. Um, yeah. So I'm one of these individuals that likes to keep tabs open. Um, and if you, I guess it doesn't matter what browser you use, but I use Chrome. And so I've got my entire laptop here open and I've got tabs all the way across. And once I get to the point where the tabs are so small, I can't tell what they are. I don't exit out. I just minimize and then I open up a new window. And the reason I do that is um, starting with football. So in August, really the first game. So uh, all the stats are run through stat broadcast. Now, back in my day, right, when, when, when I was a, a young buck, <clears throat> we didn't have these fancy things that kept track of stats for us. We had to keep stats with our notebooks. And so I, I have you know, the stacks and stacks of notebooks from you know, 15 years ago where I would track every single play in a football game and same with a basketball game. Uh, and so you can imagine over the course of a season how these all compile. Well, now we've got stat broadcast, which does everything for you. Uh, and so because I've always liked to go back through my notes over the course of a season, and if somebody asks, you know, what's, what's the trend, you know, how, how many shots has he missed in a row? I can go back to not only this game, but the previous game and then the game before that. So I just like to be able to do that. So I, from the beginning of football season, I keep each tab of each football game. So there's 13 stat broadcasts there. And then, you know, they played 29 basketball games this year in addition to the exhibition game. So that's 40. So that's 53 right there of just stat broadcasts, which are data sites. And then you get into Ken Palm and all these different stats that I've kept over the years. And the way that Ken Palm works is they upload every night. So if you have like a certain page that you want to keep, either you screenshot it or you don't reload it. So I've got a bunch of Ken Palm set up. So it's just, it's nonsensical, uh, but it's what I've done. So I've got probably, I don't know, maybe 120 some tabs open over a couple of uh, browser pages. And that's why, long story short, uh, my computer is running slow right now. And this time of year, after we get through the spring game, I have to go back through and call whatever and save whatever I need to and start fresh. But that, that's a summertime activity, Tommy. We're not quite there yet. Do Two things know? on that. One, Stat Broadcast has archives. 
and you can pull, you can go back and get them. They don't disappear. You don't have to keep them up. I like it handy. I like it handy. It gives me every time he opens his computer and I look at his screen, it gives me just the most, I'm not a very organized individual. Like I can be, but it just drives me crazy. And maybe he, maybe that's it's organization for him, but it is, it's absurd. At least you're not Adam Smith that keeps track of every single play on a pen and paper. Hey, he, there's something he, to be said. He for still that. does that. He's my age, but he he is an old soul. You can't um, control the, F a notebook, by the way. To the uh, YouTube chat, uh, Greg is not 75 or 80 years old. He's actually much younger than me. <laughs> Here you go, Gregory, and I'm gonna bring Taylor in, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, Gregory. Since you yeah. can find the archive so quick, what do you want? I'm asking Greg and Gregory a question. I want to know how many minutes that Justin McCoy played and what was his shooting percentage against UNC Asheville? Fit, what's happening, my man? While they uh, are... I'm, I'm in this race too, though. Oh, you're in the race? All right, go ahead. Come on. Raise my your hand com- when you win. My win. computer's frozen. I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> against, against who? UNC Asheville? Did they even play UNC Asheville this year? This what do you yeah. want? Oh, yeah. Justin McCoy, seven, seven minutes. Oh, oh, wait, wait, stop. Who's got it? Hi. <laughs> Wait, what, how my, did you do it? Computer is frozen. I just typed ESPN game log, Justin McCoy. Uh, see, I uh, went to Ken Palming. I, yeah. d- I had a few more clicks there. The I, have his off- I have his offensive rating of. Uh, I won't have that. If, if Zero. Have a- <laughs> I will say, I will say, I do like sitting next to either Gregory or Greg at games because the notes they take during the games are, are very meticulous. Gregory does a good job. I think, I think I was sitting next to Gregory during the ACC tournament where he was almost doing like a play by play on like a Google doc. And I type out every single play. Yeah. And was, I was able to like kind of look back at his notes and then Greg, it's like any stat you need pulled up because Greg is also a vet in knowing that a lot of a lot of the times these arenas are going to have slow Wi-Fi, so he has the Ethernet adapter come <laughs> handy while I'm with the uh, the public Wi-Fi and just having no chance to go through any any of the internet tabs. But uh, I think that was an an eye-opening experience for me seeing how much notes people are taking in games because I'm kind of just watching the games and then just shooting from the hip uh, by, by my post-game video. Well, you're writing video. You're not writing 800 word stories. (laughs) It used to fascinate me when I would cover is I would have a notebook paper and I have a line drawn down the middle, UNC, whoever they were playing tip. If you wanted to tip here and you kind of went back and forth and all through it. And now, People, uh, you know, and Kirsch wouldn't always come over there to inside Carolina back in the day and pass out the stats, you know, <laughs> we would get skipped over sometimes, but yeah, it, it's a cool process. Greg, how many games have you covered in the past since you've been working for inside Carolina ballpark? It? Um, ballpark it. Well, I would say on average 50 games a year, just football and basketball. So over 15 years, what is that? Seven fifty. Wow. So let me ask this. I'm probably, when you factor in baseball, I've, I've got to be pretty close to a thousand. I know. And there's guys that are still doing it from 40 years ago. And it's crazy to think. Yeah. Vip, how many games you've covered? Nine? ACC tournament? <laughs> NCAA tournament? Uh, we're, I think we're still single digits. I think I could still count them on, on both these hands right here. I was at two ACC tournament games. Four NCAA tournament games. That's eight. Yeah. I, well, I've been to football. I've covered football. That's not eight. What kind of math is that? Two plus four is six. Who said eight? You did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Folks, it is the off season, and there many, is no all games that you covered. So it tells you where we are. We're football? somewhere in the twilight zone. Uh, well. For, I've done the past three seasons almost, not in person, but oh yeah, 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 that's true. I've done I've done every every football game I think the past three years. Uh, Tommy, you mentioned the tip. I also keep track of who wins the tip every single time, and I don't think I've used it in a story a single time. So I don't know why I track it. I don't track that. I do track um, football coin toss for some reason. Gregory, yeah. you seem like somebody who would. 
score a baseball game like hand do you um if yeah yeah i do it a lot <laughs> Wait, i've been to two at least two or three games with you this year and all you wanted me to do was go up to the beer stand uh i got really sunburned <laughs> on sunday by the way um no i i'm covered up i scored i scored a baseball game in my room last night just watching a pro game on dv for fun there's just something practice? to be said about that it's no not that. practice just i was watching the game and i was like i've got a book here i'll score it <laughs> you know like little league the there's always like an assistant coach to score the game yeah, they used to have me score the game if I wasn't pitching that day. So. Sure, you were the you were the kid sitting on the cooler. Don't lie. Can, can if I wasn't score, pitching, can you score swimming? No. Okay. I mean, you, you can keep track of every race that's won, but that's they've got technology for that now. So a shout out. You mentioned swimming. I'm gonna say something in case somebody out there has some swimming contacts friend of mine's daughter is in North Indiana. She's one of the best high school swimmers in the country. And What's her like, name? And they like Carolina, Lily Christensen. Somebody needs to reach out. I know NC State has. Anyway, that's State's my recruiting news for the NC day. NC State's a, a lot better than Carolina at swimming. So I'm aware. She, is a, she will probably go anywhere she wants to in the world. The chat says Gregory needs a girlfriend. That is slander. I have a girlfriend. Thank because, you. And he does. And, and she lives in a big city. Greg, let, let's kind of try to figure out where we are here, but I don't want to get away from this historical stuff. You've covered close to a thousand games. Best game you ever covered. Oh, wow. Be up out of your eight. I mean, what was your best game? Out <laughs> <laughs> of my, my six plus football. Uh, well, it was the UCLA-UNC Sweet 16 game, and I was, I was pretty confident to say, like, this is either the best game I've ever covered, the best game I've just flat-out ever attended in any sport. Um, but then it was topped a week later when UNC plays Duke. I think, I think from a – like, if you take away the, the team names on the front of the jerseys, I think the UCLA – UNC was a better basketball like watch, but when you add in everything that kind of comes with playing Duke in the final four, making it coach K's last game and the kind of the, the pageantry that comes with a final four game in new Orleans, I think uh, that that's going to be the top spot. And it's, it's something where, you know, I could cover it for 15 years like Greg has. And I, I don't know if that that's a game that could be topped. Greg, you've had a chance to think about it. You know, it's hard to, to be able to, to kind of pin them down, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, you know, there was the Larry Drew shot over Renardo Sydney, Mississippi State, and the uh, NIT back in 2010. That was a big one. Um, you know, the national title games are special. All the Final Four games are special. Uh you know, I mean, like the people won't like this, but the Carolina State game this year, to see something that rare happen is crazy to be able to cover that game. I mean, I had my story done. That's one question I get a lot. I, I, You're talking about some, a football game? Yeah. Football. Oh, yeah. okay. I was like, there's no rarity in the basketball no. But, I mean, like the TJ Warren, Marcus Page back and forth game at PNC, that was a great basketball game. Uh, one of the questions I get a lot, I, I speak at some of the J school um, classes typically every year. And I, I get a lot of questions about, you know, how do you, how do you adjust your, your game story uh, when certain things happen? And the one that came up most recently, of course, was uh, you know, the, the Chris Jenkins shot, you know, Carolina, I think was down by eight came storming back page at the crazy double clutch shot, kind of a shot put, um, that's a legendary, legendary shot. And then Jenkins goes down, of course, and hits the 30 footer to, to win it. And, um, sometimes you have a game story written, you have everything done. And then something like that happens like the Carolina state football game this year, everything's done. I mean, it's, it's just, you're waiting to, to hit enter because you feel good because you've done your job. You've got it knocked out. You're ahead of the game. And then something happens. And you've got to start from scratch. Um, and so it's, 
it's trying to piece all that stuff together. And those are the ones that really stand out kind of the, the crazy endings. Um, but just in terms of fan experience, you know, kind of as a, uh, as a reporter, I, I was telling, I think Adam Smith, this, uh, he was sitting beside me at the, at the Carolina Duke game in the final four, because Taylor, we had, we had prime seats for that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were courtside. Uh, I was right behind Clark Kellogg. So just great, great seats. Um, but because I've covered so many games over the years, you know, all of the pomp and circumstance is, is lost on me. Like, you know, I go to Cameron indoor and it's kind of like a hassle because you got all this noise and all these people on back of you and you elbowing you in the head and that kind of stuff. You're just trying to do your job. So you block out everything. Um, but yet for the Carolina Duke game, that was such a momentous occasion that like, you know, that the hair on my arm was standing up and that never happens ever. Uh, but so to be in a situation like that, where it's such a big game for everybody and to be able to experience that was, was really a neat thing. Um, and so you get that a little bit with the final four games. So they kind of, wh- whether or not they're good games or not. Um, but you know, the Car- Kansas Carolina game in 2008 in San Antonio, you know, that's up there just because it was such a shock. That team was so good. And for Kansas, the smack in the mouth, the way that they did, um, that just kind of stands out in your memory. And I think it does for fans as well. So uh, I would have to sit and have a long thought process about which games kind of stand out. But, but a lot of those that I just mentioned are, are near the top. Yeah, the, the one thing, and people are asking about some football games in the chat, the football press room, um, at least in Keenan and in most other places, there's some places where folks cheer like crazy. It's kind of antiseptic up there in the football presser but in basketball i'm not so much at carolina anymore because you're up in the upper deck but at duke and at the final four and places like that you're down there in it um i remember jb sissel and i were covering the ucla game um in smith center and that was back when everybody was on the floor and um i can't remember the guy for ucla and i wish jb was still around to, to remind me but Dude jumps over JB. JB's doing video. He puts on the video, all you can see is this dude coming straight at JB, and then the camera goes black because his knee hits JB in the forehead. And the kid behind him on the front row of the airplane seats, he's the one that gets the jersey that the kid from UCLA brings out after the game. (laughs) JB still had had the ring around from from the video camera. And then Peppers was, you know, came on and fell on the table when we were there. But Football games are just – you're just in a room with people and you got a press guy hollering out stats and all that. So it's, it's interesting to hear your take, Greg. And, Taylor, I'm sure you'll get plenty more opportunities, but uh, I don't know if you're going to top being courtside in the, in the Final Four this year because that place was electric. <clears throat> but, Greg, you mentioned the state game. So let's, let's slide that into this On The Beat podcast a little bit. Um, how much different do you think this spring practice, Max attitude, everything around the program would have been had Carolina won that game? That's a good question, Tommy. And I, I think not just that game, but also South Carolina. Because, I, you know, in talking to people around the program after the state game, um, there was some pointing of fingers kind of across the board of, okay, wait a minute. Why, why did this happen? Why did this happen this way? Um, and it wasn't like a total agreement, but then you get to the South Carolina game and the entire team play bad. And I think at that point, they're like, okay, wait a minute. Like the state game was fluky. This was an embarrassing loss to a team. That's not very good. And it's not the first time this year that's happened. So I think the combination of the way the state game ended and the bowl game really forced Mac to reassess, um, you know, he, he said late in the year, and I think a lot of it was frustration, but you, he kind of he kind of took some jabs at the media, somewhat in a joking manner, but just talking about how you know, his team was, was too hyped up. And there's some of that for sure. Um, but I, I think we can all agree with what that team had. You know, 12 wins was maybe a little much. Top 10 was maybe a little much. But 9 to 10 wins should have been it. They were good enough to be able to do that. 
uh, and fell woefully short. And, and so I think the way that things ended, Mac realized that, hey, we, we've got to make a significant change. And that starts with me and on the way down. Um, and so, I mean, he's very clearly, he's kind of gotten off after Phil Longo and kind of how he's doing things, wanting things to change, and then bringing in Gene that brings in a new mindset. So because half side of the ball is pretty much brand new, he's making his point known to, to Phil Longo and that offensive staff. Um, they've been able to, to you, you really step back and say, okay, we need to make sure we change things. I, I think North Carolina's uh, run to the Final Four really helped because it allowed them to stay in the shadows, and there just was not a lot of media attention. Um, and they were able to use that. Really, last year, there's a ton of media attention. You know, how good can this team be? Can Sam Howell win the Heisman? All those things. Um, this year, there wasn't that. So they're really able to say, look, you guys haven't won anything. You didn't win anything last year. You had a losing record. Um, but now you have an opportunity to really get things started on the right foot. And I think they've done some unique things in the spring and that they've, they've got off to a good start. That has to continue. But I think they started the way they needed to this offseason. Yeah, I mentioned the the Final Four run. I've said it a couple of times. I've mentioned it to Deems May in our post-game podcast after the spring game when we were out there with Heels for Life and all those guys. It's clearly having the light off of them help them focus their team um, because I don't care what anybody says. And, Vip, I, I'll ask you this question. I, players can talk about how they're focused and all, but in this day of social media and everything and everybody talking all the time and people can't get off their phones, players see that stuff. 100% they see that stuff. Well, this year, they were, to able to, they were able to work in spring without any of that stuff. And I think Chiswick and Charlton Warren and Mack and all those guys getting them refocused, I think it'll be – I don't want to say it's better for the program that the pressure was off or the media attention was off because you always like positive attention. But your take on how they were able to work sort of under the cover of that Final Four run. Yeah, I think when you when you factor in the NC State loss, when you factor in the South Carolina loss, when you factor in that they had coaches fired because of their performances from football, I think it's a case where this team was humiliated, this team was humbled, and you when when that kind of happens to you, you have to just go back to the drawing board. Like the coaches can bring in whoever they want. And I, I love coach Chizik. And I think when you need a team to be like focused and disciplined, like coach Chizik obviously did a great job in 2015 and 2016, his first time in Chapel Hill. And I think he, he has the tools to replicate that with even more talent now in Chapel Hill on the defensive side of the ball. But you also need players in that room that are able to handle success and, the, the kind of stuff that comes with the success and, you know, a lot more people talking about you, a lot more people wanting to go to your games, a lot more people asking you for tickets and everything that kind of comes with that. And it, it was something that I remember going into that Virginia Tech game confident that North Carolina would win. But the, the thing I kind of um, warned about going into that game was that like if this Carolina team struggled against Virginia Tech, it was going to be a, a big red flag for the rest of the season, not even just as a, a top 10 team or a preseason top 10 team, but a team that had like expectations to win um, their side of the Coastal. So I think that this team, for this team to have success, they're, they're going to need guys in that locker room who – are able to handle success and can kind of control the locker room to where guys aren't getting off task and they're not losing focus on, on the main goal when, you know, you win one game and then all of a sudden your, your preparation kind of falls down because I think, I think this team, it was clear that this team wasn't a, a preseason top 10, top 15, top 20 team, whatever. Um, but I, I think if you went around that team um, this past summer, like they would have, they would have fully bought into it, and maybe that didn't that didn't match the the production they were kind of doing behind the scenes. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, 
you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, let's get some questions here. We got a bunch from the chat. Um, let's start here. And Tommy, only you and I can really answer this question. But which guy we interviewed in the aftermath of the spring game stood out the most and why? And then we can move into some deeper team-specific questions. I have an answer in mind from who we spoke with. Well, you go ahead because we talked to Ritzy, Murphy, Downs, Storm, and Tony, and Tony. Grimes. Miles yeah. Murphy, hands down. Yep. I mean, the confidence that exudes out of that kid is – it's insane. Um, and – I mean, we were, we were joking with him about our sack bet that we made last year. Like, that's, that was just fun. Um, Tony and Storm was great in just their interactions, but Miles Murphy stood out the most, just the confidence that he has, and he's backed it up, and he was great last year. He won the most outstanding player award for the spring based on the points that they do, which we don't know how they divvy those up, but he was the – he was, I guess – the standout as far as the competition and whatnot. So I, I think that's an easy answer. And I mean, he's successful and he's going to need to be a big part of the defense for UNC to be successful. And his confidence is insane. Yeah. I, he was offended. I mean, we were laughing and joking. And if folks haven't listened to that podcast, they need to go back and check it out. Cause there's some good stuff in there. That's a little different from what you get at press conferences after games and things like that. But miles Murphy was offended that, uh, he you wasn't took, even an option last year. I know that you took Dez Evans and I took Taman Fox. I mean, come on. Taman Fox was the granddad of that but defense. He, I had he was like, him. I wasn't even talked about. And we were like, no. <laughs> Not last year. <laughs> you will but, be this year. But, yeah, so, so Greg, to spin off of that question, and, Vip, your, your thoughts after Greg is how much did that defensive line improvement help this team? I think it's and, – and how does it help the defense, entire defense? I think it is – Huge, just just huge that the defensive line live up uh, to some of the expectations maybe that the fans have. Um, if the coaches don't have them, that's one thing. But even if they live up to what the fans have, I think the defense is just astronomically better or could be. Yeah, and look, I've covered, let's see here, five, six football coaches in my time. Every one of them will tell you that it all starts up front on the defensive line and you got to stop the run. That is not unique. I mean, that's, 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 that's where it is. Now, the problem is, is that because of the way that the spread offenses has taken off over the last, you know, what, 20 years now, whenever Rich Rod kind of got it going, um, what you have is Vic Coning, for example, with his 425, having to have a hybrid position up front because you got to stop the run, 
but you also have to protect against four and five wide receivers and spreading the field vertically as well as horizontally, right? Well, Vicks had success. He didn't have success in North Carolina. Gene talked about it a lot in 2015. He didn't have necessarily the talent. And so really in 2015, uh, he robbed Peter to pay Paul. And that defense was really good in the red zone somehow, but stat-wise, they weren't great. They were, they were better in 2016. Uh, Papuchas uh, struggled just because he didn't have the, the talent. Uh, he had Crawford and, and Strobridge, and that was really it. Uh, Bateman, same way, right? Bateman wanted to do all this creative stuff that, as Jason Staples has told us, what Georgia does, where, where you have guys that can play defensive end, but they can also drop in the coverage. Um, and now Gene's back, and Gene has more talent this time. And, and Gene's basically saying, look, we're going to simplify it. We're going to see ball, go get ball. Uh, we're not going to do a lot of stunning. We're going to do basically two gap rushes, make it as easy as possible on these guys. Um, and I think the understanding and the idea right now, to your point, Tommy, there's so much talent up front. This is the most talent we've seen since the Butch days. Is And what Butch used to say is, I don't care what the guys in the back seven are doing. My front four are going to be so good. They're going to disrupt so much. Guys in the back seven could do whatever they want to do. And he said it jokingly, but he meant it. And I think Gene, I don't know if this defense is quite there yet, but I think Gene's thinking the same thing. Is if this defensive line can live up to its potential and be effective, it gives you so many more options with the rest of the defense. You just can't overthink it. And I think at times with Vic and with Bateman, they overthought it which is easy to do because you're trying to account for so many different things. Uh, but I think that's what it gets down to. How quickly this defensive line can play up to its potential will say a lot about how good this team will be this year and next. Vip, how much um, – and I had a question, and I, and I don't know if I really want to go there, but how much – they've been pretty physical this spring. Uh, they've been as physical as, as Carolina's been in the spring in, in a good while. But how much – just practicing every day against a, an offense, a, a spread offense, sort of like Greg started to mention, how much does that make a difference on the defense as far as how good they can really be? Does that, does that my question make sense? I, they don't face a team that's going to run down their throat in practice all the time. Well, if, if they line up against a team like that, how can, you know, how do coaches combat that in yeah. practice? I think that's why, like, a normal team period, you'll go 11 on 11, and the offense will run their stuff. The defense will try to run their stuff. Um, but I think what, what you're looking for more would be, like, um, like the inside drill period where they take away the DBs and they take away uh, the receivers. So while, while the seven – and the linemen and like if a tight end's attached and the running backs will stay for inside, the receivers and the DBs will go to like the other part of the field and do like one-on-ones with the quarterbacks. And then the inside drill, it's just, it's just hand the ball off really physical. So I think you still get that physicality when you do something like inside drill. If you're a team like North Carolina that wants to, you know, spread you out and get rid of it quickly and you're not really giving a defense like a true like a true look I guess um, but I think I think most staffs will do a good enough job of making sure you get that inside and you get like red zone scenarios where if you're if you're inside the the five six yard line there there really isn't too much space to hide from from physicality yeah and, and Murphy and Ritzy both talked about you know, inside zone drills and all that kind of stuff. I, I People are asking, how good can the front four be? Um, and, and Greg, to your point, they got to live up to it, right? They got a ton of talent. I mean, Travis Shaw is a monster, but he's just 18, 19 years old. He hasn't proven anything yet. Exactly. Not I, and, and, and that's what that's, – that's my question is, is how to how, – How do you how quantify do you set that? Yeah, how do you set expectations based on the lack of proving anything yet? If your if your expectations that Travis Shaw is going to be uh, Dexter Lawrence from day one, 
then you're probably setting the bar too high. Um, we've talked about it before on this podcast, but uh, being a five star is not a guarantee, right? About one 50%, out of right, fifty percent get drafted. So the drafted. odds are that drafted, right? So the odds are that Zach Rice or Travis Shaw will get drafted. That's what the odds tell us. Now the early returns on both those guys were pretty good, which is a good sign. Uh, but look, I mean, this, this defense was not good last year. And that's one of the things with the spring game. You can't take anything out of spring games, I know. But people kind of dismiss how, how good the offense looked by saying, well, the defense really had a vanilla plan in place. Well, the offense did too. And I think really what, what sets the table here is when you're just very base, guess what? You have an opportunity in a one-on-one setting to dominate and take over. Did we see that in the spring game? No. I'll never forget 2010. Uh, uh, Robert Quinn played the first quarter, I think, of the spring game and took him out. We, we didn't see him the rest of the game. So after the game, we're like, wait a minute, this guy's supposed to be like the stud of the defense. He's not even playing. Is he hurt? What's going on? And, and Butch said, no, he was too good. He was embarrassing everybody he was going up against, and it wasn't fair for the everybody. So we wanted to make sure we put on a good <laughs> show for the fans and for ESPN. So we had to take him out of the game. Um, Robert yeah. Quinn's last sack at Carolina. <laughs> yes. I guess Brent Renner, I think. Um, <laughs> um, but that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. Uh, and so did anybody pop at the spring game up front? No, but does that mean anything? No. But um, I think a lot of people just assume, hey, they got a four-star or five-star beside their name. Therefore, they're going to be really good. That's not the case. Coaches have to coach them up. Players have to buy in. And, uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Would you rather have four stars and five stars than two and threes? Yeah, for good reason. But it doesn't just happen, you know, snap of a finger. There, there's a lot of work that has to go into it. I'd be shocked if he played more snaps than Javari Ritzy played last year. As far, you I mean, should have that. Do you have that stat in front of you? You should. I mean, I can find it. But, I mean, because, I mean, I was – kind of shocked by how much Javari played and it's because he's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, Javari played like what, maybe 80 snaps on the season. Play like, well, he probably played more than that, but they probably played what 20 per game once he got into it. Maybe. So let me ask this VIP. Um, and, and Gregory, you said you were the stat man. So we need you to find it. VIP. I don't, I don't have my pro, pro football focus login right now. I think we have to <laughs> renew it. <laughs> At Buck Sanders, it's the off season. <laughs> <laughs> My account Somebody has turned the lights on. Vip, give me give me a uh, breakdown from a guy who's been in the arena. Percentage of talent versus percentage of coaching up, of coaching. What makes an elite player? Because people are asking, and one concern with this staff has been, and maybe with Mac, is the ability to coach guys up. That's one thing we saw in the final four run, Hubert Davis. Those guys got significantly better as the year went on. How much of that in football matters? Talent versus coaching and coaching guys up. Yeah, I think it's I, – I hate to give a cliche answer, but I think it's it's pretty close to 50-50, like – uh, a really talented player with bad coaching can only get so far. And then, you know, a, a bad player with the best coaching can only get so far. So I think you have to have some kind of happy medium, like, like the, the 2015 team that we talk about all the time, um, just because it's, it's the most success we've seen from Carolina football in the past you know, 20, 20 plus years, probably. Um, that defense, it, it wasn't like a, a stark increase in talent from 2014 to 2015. There wasn't like uh, transfer portal guys coming in. There wasn't these five-star recruits coming along the defensive line. It was, it was essentially the same group from 2014 to 2015. Um, but, we, but we had a guy like Coach Chiswick where 
it wasn't even so much the schemes that coach Chizik was bringing in, but it was more just like the confidence that he brought in um, to, to the uh, facility. I think from talking with coach Chizik after, after the spring game, he was like, we, we did keep it very, very simplified for the spring game. I think they had like maybe like seven or eight total calls in for, for their defense. But he was like, the two things we want to check off is we want guys playing fast and we want guys playing confident. And he thinks they did accomplish both those. And it's, it's a case where if those guys are playing confident and they're playing fast, you don't need to have like this, this mastermind scheme where somebody like, like Jay Bateman, for example, um, a lot of, a lot of his, game planning was trying to like out scheme the guy across from him. And when, when he's trying to do that, you're left with what we see in the Georgia tech game. And it's like players just keep looking over the sideline because they have no idea what the calls are because calls are coming in so late when it's something like coach Chizik, where you know what the call is going to be. If, if you've repped it enough times, you're going to have the, the wherewithal to, understand what you're doing and it's going to allow you to play a lot faster. So I think that's, that's another good argument, you know, like how much of it is scheme and how much of it is guys just playing confidently and being able to play fast because I would rather a team playing confident and fast than a team that's, you know, the, the best X's and O's. You know, you mentioned the, the knowing where they're supposed to be and all that stuff. One thing, um, that Deems May said in the post-game interviews we did. And, and Greg, I wanted your take on this as well because you pay attention to this stuff. I'm not sure I do too much um, unless it's clearly noticeable. But Deems said how calm it was during the game. There wasn't a bunch of jumping around, people going nuts, people trying to get the thing, guys turning around looking at everybody. It was, you know, they made a call and they went with it or they checked and everybody did what they were supposed to do. Did you notice that in the spring? Is that a function of the vanilla that uh, vanilla latte that they were playing with? Um, or is that something that we can expect in the fall? Uh, yeah, the hope is that you see that in the fall. And I think Gene really kind of broke it down um, in, a, in an interesting way. We, we talk a lot on the offensive side of the ball where with the spread offenses, because they, they want to put in uh, a minimal number of plays, like, you know, I don't know what it is now, but Phil, when he first came, only had 26 concepts, right? I know Fedora was kind of the same way. Um, but the idea is that you, you rep certain plays so many times that you get incredibly efficient at them. You almost perfect them. And the idea is that you, you perfect plays, and if you can perfect them, you can run them better than somebody can defend them. And therefore you don't need many plays. It's not like John Shoup where you've got, you know, a thousand plays in the playbook. Um, and those are, those are concepts. So you, what you do is you have a concept, which is basically a package of plays on the left side and you have a package of plays on the right side and you can mix and match concepts however you want. But a quarterback, when he'll sit back there, he'll pick one side or the other to go through. And that's, Fedora did that uh, quite a bit. Um, Defensively, though, you've, you've always kind of had this reactive nature, right? That's kind of what it is. But what Gene really taught him is while there are some base plays in, in effect, he's also teaching concepts in terms of, okay, on this particular play, this is what we want to do as an entire defense, right? We're not saying, okay, on this play, you're doing this, and you're doing this, and you're doing this. This is what we're trying to accomplish as a group. Um, and so – the cornerback, you know, if, if the wide receiver is going vertical in this concept, you're going to hand off. It's like the NC State played in the game, right? You have to know if you're handing off or you're staying with the guy. It's not necessarily a play. It's an idea about what we're trying to accomplish here. And that's really what the vanilla base aspect of it is, right? Um, it wasn't specific detailed plays. It was ideas, concepts of what we're trying to accomplish. And because of that, there had to be a lot of communication. Um, and so you're not so worried about, okay, I've got to do exactly this. It's, this is what my job is here. And so that was the communication taking place. That's why the guys, he said it took them really to about 
uh, practice eight or nine to really get a sense of what he was talking about. And from there, it really kind of sped up and the guys kind of latched on pretty quickly. And that's what was calm. Now, as you get into the summer, you get into training camp, you're going to have to get into more detailed plays. You just, just have to on the defensive side of the ball. But the hope is that the, the idea of, okay, this is what we're trying to do as a unit. And then we're going to specify a little bit more in training camp that lends to the idea of, okay, it's not just about me and what I'm supposed to be doing. It's what everybody else is doing and what we're trying to accomplish. Gregory, jump in here. Uh, we were going to, here's something we were going to do. We were going to have some clips from Gene Chiswick and Phil Longo on here and play them. But you know what? You guys can check them out on Inside Carolina's YouTube channel. Um, Gregory had them prepared. I think we're already 50 minutes in. Uh, so anyway, Gregory, ask us a question and, uh, let, let me do this first too. Let me tease a future on the beat podcast. Gregory, Greg, and VIP have always been awesome to come on here, but last year we did something and I can't remember who all was on it from inside Carolina staff, where we had, um, members of inside Carolina's premium message boards and all come in and join us on the, on the zoom. And we did that and you were able to come in. And to ask the questions yourself. So you guys have got a ton of questions on here. We'll try to get to as many of them as possible, but look forward to that. Um, I think that'll be a cool time to sort of have some fan interaction. We've done it before. We'll do it again. It makes it, uh, it, it makes it really fun. Gregory. Yeah. And um, we'll try to do that maybe next week. So that should be fun. Um, the question, one of the first questions we got was, what's one thing this team has to be better at doing this fall to improve? And I think the easy answer to that is communication. Um, and that was one of the clips that I had for from Gene Chizik is talking about communication. And Greg, I'm just curious your thoughts on one, what Gene said yesterday about communication and two, how much is it him just being like, yeah, of course, we're going to get better at communication and how much do you think this team can actually get better at it, considering it's a lot of the same players from last year, which I think benefits that since you, they can kind of point to what was wrong and fix what needs to be fixed? Well, I think one thing that he said that was very interesting, and it's obvious, right, is that um, we see these glaring breakdowns. Uh, and it's not like they're just bad players on the field, right? It's It's – they're really good players, but something happened to where there was a breakdown. And his point is most of the time, that's just bad communication. Somebody got the wrong message and was doing the wrong thing. Uh, and it's easier said than done to fix that, but that's something they've really worked on. And one way that they've worked on it this spring, um, he said they've had an open dialogue in film study and in team meetings. He said a lot of times coaches will get in there and really just talk at the players um, and to say, hey, you need to do this, you need to do this. Uh, they've really changed that. They've, they've really tried to make it a point of having an open dialogue so guys can ask questions and guys can be like, okay, well, what if he's over here? What am I supposed to do here? And so it's much more of a back and forth. Uh, and not only does that, does that help you know, between coaches and players, making sure the players understand, it gets the players in a frame of mind of openly talking about what they're seeing. So when they go in the practice field, it's much more natural to them to be able to talk to their teammates about, Hey, I'm supposed to be doing this and, and so forth. So they're, they've got some uh, methods in place to try to address it, but yeah, it's, it's not as easy as saying, Hey, just we're going to communicate better. Just go do it. Especially when you're losing somebody like Jeremiah Gimmel, uh, who, who you know, by all accounts was, was very good with communicating both with his, his group, as well as in front of him on the line and behind him in the secondary. And we've spent so much time talking about the defensive line. Which is more of a worry in the fall, the DBs or the linebackers? Because you do lose Jeremiah Gimmel, but I think Cedric Gray is up to the task. So for Vip and Greg here and Tommy, anyone, what do you got? Who do you guys think is the bigger concern on the defense? Because I think the defensive line will be the best group on the defensive end. So is it the DBs need our bigger concern or, or is it the linebackers? What do you think, Vip? I would say from a person, from a personnel, I would say it's the linebackers, but from play, I would say 
you need you need stronger cornerbacks and you're going to need stronger linebackers just just with the way college football is kind of moving and how spread out things are but um from from a personnel perspective you have to remember from the spring game like carolina it doesn't have jaquarius conley doesn't have uh cam kelly um storm duck didn't play so carolina was down people that you should expect to see on the field come September, October. Um, but I, th- I think there there is reason to be concerned about both the linebackers and the, the cornerback, uh, the secondary, just with the secondary's inability to kind of be healthy and be out there where somebody like Storm Duck has, has played um, – you know, less than probably 12 games the, the past two seasons combined. Um, you have somebody like Cam Kelly who's hurt now and um, has has had some serious injuries. A guy like Jaquarius Conley coming back from serious knee surgery. So there there is enough um, areas of concern there for it to be a bigger problem for this team, I think. And with the way college football is going, you really need to be strong in, in the secondary. And then I think you, you just need players to kind of take that, take that leap from uh, whether it's their freshman year to their sophomore year or their sophomore year to the junior year. Like I think one of the players I was looking forward to watching a lot last year um, kind of take that leap was Tony Grimes. And it, it just seemed like that leap never came now, whether it was, you know, execution or whether it was coaching or the development I think you're going to need to see more development from some of these guys. Like Carolina is having no problem bringing in these highly rated guys right now. Um, something that like, like my years, we had problems getting, getting people into Carolina and wanting people to come to Carolina. Mac Brown has not had that problem his first couple of years at Carolina. And now it's like they're, they're, a sta- they're bringing in a ton of talent into the Keenan football center. Like eventually that talent either has to play out or you're going to have to find new guys who can. That's interesting. Of course, the defensive line, how good they are, um, will affect everything uh, around them. So we'll see, um, Tony Grimes and storm duck talk, both talked about communication and competition. And, and I think it's pretty clear that if, if they communicated better last year as a whole, um, they definitely win the NC State game without question, um, and maybe one other, one or two others. Greg, um, folks have asked about the offensive line. We can talk about that, but let me give you a question from the chat, and it's relevant to something you said earlier. Who has a bigger impact this fall, Zach Rice or Travis Shaw, George Petaway or Marion Hampton, Paysauer or Blackwell or Jones? Do either or on those, and also uh, I think Hampton not being there now will affect him. We'll see, though. Um, and also, which of those three receivers could be somebody to step up and be that third guy? Let's see. Um, I'll go with Shaw just because I think with Roland coming in, uh, I think they kind of expect him to slot into the tackle spot opposite of uh, Austin Richards, who had a really good spring. And then William Barnes will probably be your, your third tackle. And I'm sure they'll try to get Zach Rice plenty of playing time, but they'll bring him along slow. Um, and I think, I think there's an opportunity for Shaw to, to really pump. I, I tend to agree with Gregory that he's not going to see a ton of action, but as big as he is, he could possibly be effective in short bursts. Um, you know, it's a good question about the running backs. Uh, and I really thought Petaway would, would kind of pop a little bit more in the spring, but maybe there's so many guys back there that it was a problem. So I'm going to go with uh, Hampton just, just because you, maybe he can come in and, and splash in, in training camp. And maybe he's a guy that they can rely on. Um, I think they need somebody fresh to give them a good look. And I think it's going to be one of the freshmen. And then it's a good question about the, wide receivers um i would say i'm leaning a little bit towards jj jones is because he, he came on pretty strong late in the year uh but blackwell looked good in, in spring ball and they feel pretty good about him and one thing we can say is that 
they only had six scholarship wide receivers in spring and they're only going to have eight right now in, in training camp. If they don't sign anybody in uh, the portal and they Max said they want 13. So that's a significant uh, shortage. And so what that means is all those guys are, <laughs> are going to have opportunities to prove their worth. Vip, you got some eligibility left, don't you? You got a COVID <laughs> I, year. I, that they're not going to want it. <laughs> <laughs> Put you back in the Oklahoma drill, man. So let's ask one more. Um, Vip versus again, Tony Grimes in a one-on-one. That would be fun. Yes. Yeah, we could we could sell little tickets. Off-season, little off season little off season project VIP for a video. I, it, as long as he doesn't watch this, because I could give you the scouting report. I have one route, and it's a go route. <laughs> every time, we, every time we did one on ones, Coach Brewer, like he would mix it up, like maybe give me a slant here or there, but every other time it was, hey, just use your track speed and run this go route as as fast as you can, and. A lot of times it, it, I would say, I would say it worked maybe like 50, 50, just because I was going up against, you know, I wasn't going up against like the MJ Stewart's and those guys kind of, um, but yeah, I, I had one route, go route, trust, trust the speed and, and let it fly. What was, was your 40? It. Um, I never had a run like an official 40, uh, pulled out of the combine before <laughs> the combine came around. But it was probably probably like a mid four or five. Too good for the combine you were. Yeah, I was, really, I was more of a – You held out. You didn't longer, run. Longer than like... 40 yards, yeah. <laughs> you had the stamina with this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of somebody with stamina, I saw Brad Frederick ran the Boston Marathon. Good gracious. I mean, Greg, the equivalent is you playing in the Masters, man. Well, yeah, when's that going to happen? Pretty impressive. Let me ask another question here. Transfer, which transfer plays the biggest role? And this is current transfers because like Greg mentioned and like Mike has mentioned, if they're at six, we'll be at eight and they want 13. They got some mining of the portal to do. Uh, Gaynor, Gaynor, Taylor, or Rollin? Greg. Mike said, did Mike not say that uh, Noah Taylor's the best pass rusher on the team? Yep. That would lend me to and it's, to it's obvious too. That would lend me to want to choose him, but I think center is such a huge position for this offense. I might go the gainer away. What do you think, Greg? I don't think you can go wrong, to be honest with you, but I'll go Roland, uh, just because you said the other two, but no, um, Roland, Roland, sorry. Um, <laughs> I think they need to solidify the, the tackle position. Um, I know William Barnes has come along. And I know Rice has potential. Uh, I don't think you want a true freshman out there if you can avoid it. And I, I think Rolland um, needs to needs, – they're hoping he can come in and really solidify uh, the right side of the line. And uh, with Gaynor at center and Anderson, who's now healthy, uh, they feel pretty good about their interior. So I, I think he's going to be the, the key addition. Somebody in the chat said, uh, Vip out there torching Matt Merletti. I got an IC fundraiser. Vip Merletti, one-on-one. Merletti's a little bit older. Got They're a both in good shape, though, right? I know. Um, yeah. Both pretty. I'm, I mean, y'all could go out there and sell tickets to it. I'm going to need some kind of health insurance, some kind of waiver just in case it goes bad. <laughs> <laughs> there is I'm not, no I'm not, I'm not getting out on the field just to get out on a field you're not gonna be like dre Bly getting <laughs> out there running races with the guys yeah that is her. I'm oh, not straight going. line i will straight line i will it's it's once you start getting into turns and cuts his angles aren't made for that anymore yeah no my knee no it's my knee oh yeah he's one in cut and the acl is gone yeah. again you are you, you are not getting on the field for anything less than 10 grand that we got it like um uh, I don't know. <laughs> Negotiable. Yeah, he's like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a minute. I so might take eight grand. Discussion. I yeah, might don't take set eight. the number too high. All right, we will set a Go <laughs> GoFundMe page. Um, and Merletti, I know Matt, if you're listening, uh, you're getting set up here. GoFundMe page. Vip versus Merletti. The battle. Uh, we'll do it in the in in uh, We'll do it on the street. We'll do it on Stadium Drive. Yeah, to make it fun. Anyway. Um, any other things um, from the spring, Gregory, Greg, or Vip that stood out? Uh, I mean, I tend to think 
that the quieter to the better. Um, I thought Longo's press conference was empty. Interesting. I thought uh, the quarterback battle is going to be a thing all the way through. I thought Chizik was fired up. Um, and I thought Mac is more fired up than he's been. But anything else stand out for you guys, or is it just basically another spring season in, in Chapel Hill, Greg? I think it's pretty much another spring season. I will say, though, I think Cedric Gray um, is the guy to look out for. And there's a lot of concern with uh, Gimmel moving on because he was such a key part of the defense from a leadership and communication perspective. Um, and I, I think they've been really happy with Cedric Gray stepping into that role. And I think that's a critical component for the defense. Uh, they are very talented. They do have a new coaching staff or two new coaches at least running the show. Um, but you've got to be able to, to spread the wealth. You've got to be able to share all that knowledge. And they, they really think Cedric Gray has kind of stepped into Jeremiah's role. And I think that's going to be very important into the offseason, into the summer months, and also into training camp. So that I think that's the one player that uh, we've heard a lot about that, that I think is kind of the main takeaway for me. Vip, who's yeah, your breakout you guy? Um. Hmm, that's a good question. Although I, I think say, Cedric didn't he lead the team in tackles last year? He might have. Or not, he may have. You, where's your your stats, man? My Sorry. my breakout player for this Carolina team. Um, I would just say I would keep saying Bryson Nesbitt, um, just <sighs> because of how big a mismatch he is as a tight end, where he he's a lot faster than a, a, a traditional linebacker in coverage. And then he's just going to be a lot bigger than a traditional uh, person in the secondary in coverage. So it, you could split them. You could attach them closer to the line. You could split them out wide more like a traditional receiver. This is only sophomore, junior. I mean, a junior, senior. This is going to be his fourth year playing, you know, tackle football and, uh, he still has a, a ton of good football left ahead of him being that this is only his fourth year and uh, it football hasn't had the chance to kind of beat him down yet. Um, but I, I think somebody like Bryson Nesbitt, it, he has, he has all the tools. I, I've kind of been saying this since, you know, before he even came on campus at Carolina, when you look at him, you, you could see like the, the modernized version of the tight end. And we just had him on, um, the players lounge. So it was interesting kind of getting his takeaways and hearing why he chose tight end, why he didn't play football until his junior year, uh, what it's like having a dad that played in the NFL for 10 plus years and how he kind of uses that to his own advantage and trying to get to the NFL. And uh, I, I just don't think you could utilize somebody like Bryson Nesbitt enough, especially with a, a quarterback who's has a uh, huge shoes to fill in replacing Sam Howell. I spoke with John Lilly today. Um, I'm doing a story on Bryson that'll run next week. Um, and it's funny you mentioned like the choice to pick tight end VIP because uh, Coach Lilly was telling me about how when Bryson got to Carolina, um, he weighed a lot more than he does now as he's kind of slimmed down a little bit to play that wide receiver. Um, tight end hybrid position, but he was worried when he got to Carolina that they were going to move him to tackle because of he was bigger than some of the other guys. And so since he's gotten more into the weight program, he's gained more weight. And so coach Lily will like tease him. He's like, if you keep adding weight, we're going to put you, we're going to put you at tackle. You know that, right. And, and whatnot. So I thought that was a fun little, some fun little insight there, but you, you took my breakout player, Bryson Nesbitt, but I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with Des Evans. <laughs> I just pressed the button in in the post production for the laugh track. I mean, <laughs> stick to the hits. Stick to the hits. You're doing you your would, job, man. You would think he was. You think he would get a sack, right? So he's my guy. I gotta. I gotta ride. Ride or die. Um, um, Gregory, you were right. Cedric Gray did lead the team in tackles last year. My point was more to the leadership aspect of it. Um, how many? How many sacks for Des Evans? Zero. No, we're talking about this year. Oh, we're this upcoming year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, he got two in the spring game. Way so too early. This is way too how many, early. Yes. How many games? They'll probably they'll probably play thirteen games at least. Right. So that's two a game. Um, Twenty six. That's how the spring game. That's for the spring game, Tommy. Right? Okay. I will and- bet you every bit of your your money 26. now, your inheritance, and everything. If you take twenty six, I'll take the under. I wish yeah. I had an inheritance. And Tommy, my my computer finally loaded the the page. Uh, Justin McCoy played seven minutes against UNC. <laughs> That's a good callback. That is a good callback. <laughs> nice. The, the 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 way we started is the way we ended it. That is uh. That's pretty cool there. Look, like I told people in the chat, and if you're listening later, get your questions ready. Um, we'll figure out a way to submit them, get you guys on to ask them individually to our Inside Carolina team. Gregory Hall will help run that because I do not know how. Uh, Greg Barnes, uh, Slagle, Gregory has not yet paid up on that. and I'm taking, Tommy hasn't told me what he wants yet. So. And I'm taking Miles Murphy. You know what I like. Uh <laughs> anyway, Johnny T-shirt, JohnnyT-shirt.com. So, certainly take care of them. They are. Uh, I, I'm letting Vip off. He didn't have to do the read, but certainly take care of them. They got all the NIL stuff in there too. You need to go check that stuff out. Take care of the Carolina players. Take care of Inside Carolina's sponsor, and they'll take care of you if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. It's been on the beat live. Tommy Ashley, Greg Barnes, Taylor Vipolis, Gregory Hall. Uh, come back and see us next week. Maybe not next week. I'll be out of town. I'll be in Charlotte if anybody wants to to uh, hang out. Otherwise. I'll actually be out of town next weekend. Oh, you're out of town next weekend? Yeah. So can I cancel my hotel and stay at the Vitopolis? I have I have a roommate, but yeah, you can take my room, man. Tell, tell them. Tell them <laughs> it, well, I'm bringing the party there. Anyway, it'll be a fun time. Guys, we'll get the band back together in a couple of weeks, do the Inside Carolina fan experience. It's always been a pleasure. Thanks, boys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.